Hi, and welcome back to the VJ Oncology podcast. Today, we'll be hearing from leading experts touching on the multidisciplinary use of circulating tumour DNA in oncology, including for early diagnosis, the identification of targetable alterations, and predicting late reoccurrence. First, we have Jian Tai from the Peter McCallum Cancer Centre and the Walter Inalizer Hall Institute of Medical Research, introducing the clinical applications of CTDNA as well as the challenges yet to be overcome prior to the implementation of CTDNA into routine clinical practice. There are multiple applications of CTDNA, obviously liquid biopsy throughout patient's journey, you know, a different application in, in um, early stage disease, different um, application in um, metastatic disease and different application for cancer screening, which I won't talk about, is not my area of expertise, obviously. Um, so far, the evidence that, that pointed towards the most, most useful in clinical setting is currently just looking for mutations to find a treatment for, what we call genotyping, uh, to help clinicians decide what's the best um, treatment to give the patient. That's pretty straightforward. I think that data currently suggests that a very high uh, concordance between what you find in the blood compared to what you find in the tumour. So that's probably the most immediate application. The rest of the application, for example, to track, we know that CTDNA can track cancer burden and their response to treatment uh, very well, but the next step is can we use that information to change patient management? That are evidence that we don't have at the moment. Is it better than CT scan? Do we need to wait for CT scan to change management or can we change management based on CTDNA alone in the metastatic disease setting. So those are uh, questions that have not been answered thus far. Um, in terms of the early stage disease setting, we know that um, having CTDNA in the circulation after curative intent treatment, this could be surgery or this could be chemoradiation, um, predicts for very poor prognosis. So it's a direct indicator there's still cancer cells left behind after curative intent treatment and it would guide us as to whether, you, whether the patient need more treatment down the track. Um, adjuvant treatments, so adjuvant chemotherapy is probably the most obvious one. Now we know there's now lots of evidence pointing towards that uh, it's a good prognostic marker, but once again, the next step um, require randomized clinical trials, you know, comparing a group of patient who's managed as per standard, and then another group of patient managed um, by using the CTDNA results. That's the evidence that we're waiting for. Next up, Sanjay Popat from the Royal Marston discusses CTDNA next generation sequencing versus routine tissue testing for the identification of actionable mutations in advanced non-small cell lung cancer. So patients with relapsed refractory myeloma have quite impaired functionality and quality of life and so when treating them with agents you need to be quite careful in terms of a risk-benefit profile. I've been doing some work with an antibody drug conjugate known as Belantabamaphodotin, which is licensed and approved for patients with uh, triple class exposed multiple myeloma, of which the majority of patients, in fact all, were triple class refractory. What we know about Belantabamaphodotin is that it's effective in these patients, but one of the uh, significant side effects is ocular. Uh, there is the uh, formation of microcyst-like endothelial changes, which causes keratopathy and reduction in uh, visual acuity and blurring of vision. 
what we've been learning is that for these patients, it's very important to have active surveillance of these symptoms and ophthalmology reviews. And when these patients develop symptoms, what you have to do is to interrupt treatment until there's resolution of these endothelial changes, and then you can reinstate uh, the, the, the dosing. And by incorporating this sort of effect, you can deliver this treatment over a long period of time. One of the questions we often get asked is that if you interrupt treatment, do patients relapse? But the analysis from DREAM2 suggests that the majority of patients uh, maintain their response. The other piece of work is about trying to uh, hear information from patients directly to try and guide their dosing. And what we discovered is that if you take their symptomatology from a, a questionnaire known as the OSDI or the Oculus Service Disease Index Questionnaire, that you can use that to predict whether a patient should stop treatment or not. So this may in the future replace ophthalmology testing, which is a real burden for patients. And we can then guide dosing of Blantamab Mafidotin based on their symptom questionnaire. Now we have Miguel Garcia Pardo from the Princess Margaret Cancer Centre sharing findings from an investigation into accelerating lung cancer diagnosis through liquid biopsy. So at this ASCO meeting, we are presenting the Accelerate study on behalf of Dr. Natasha Lake and the rest of the co-authors. And uh, we are, this study is trying to, to explore the use of liquid biopsy to accelerate time to treatment in patients with uh, advanced lung cancer. We know that uh, molecular profiling of tumor tissue is the gold standard uh, for treatment decision making in, in advanced non-remorsal lung cancer, but uh, molecular profiling results from tumor tissue uh, are often unavailable or delayed, and those wait times uh, are, are sometimes challenging for patients in terms of anxiety, uncertainty, and symptoms. Indeed, there are some patients uh, that are not able to get uh, targeted therapy uh, for, for his advanced lung cancer because they deteriorate very fast and for most of the patients when they meet the medical oncologist at the first consultation they do not have the full molecular profiling results and we have the liquid biopsy uh, which is uh, the detection of circulating tumor DNA in, in plasma which we know is a minimally invasive uh, tool that uh, can, is, can detect molecular alterations uh, in advanced lung cancer and we aim to explore the, the use of this tool in patients with suspected advanced lung cancer based on imaging to accelerate the time to treatment and to increase the proportion of patients accessing targeted therapy. So what we did in this study, we have our weekly rapid assessment program rounds at Princess Margaret uh, and what we did is patients in which we have uh, suspicion for advanced lung cancer based on imaging. They were enrolled on the, on the liquid biopsy study uh, and at the same time, while we were booking for the tissue biopsy and they go through the usual standard of care workup and investigation for the suspected advanced lung cancer, we did liquid biopsy and uh, if we found the molecular alterations, they were able to start treatment based on imaging, even before the tissue-based molecular profiling results were back. The, the key, the, our primary objective uh, was to compare the time to treatment uh, from referral to our weekly lung ramp to treatment initiation to an historical cohort from 2018. And the secondary endpoints were the proportion of patients accessing targeted therapy. And those are the, what the results that we are presenting at this, at this meeting. 
What we saw is that uh, we, we enrolled 60 patients from July 1st, 2021 until December 31st, 2021. And uh, we saw that the time from referral to treatment was 34 days in our liquid biopsy cohort uh, from Accelerate compared uh, to 64 days uh, in the historical cohort from 2018 using uh, tissue only. So it's almost half uh, the time. It's one month roughly compared to two months. It's statistically significant. And this is basically because of the median turnaround times of liquid biopsy. We use a, a 37 panel gene from Inibata in, in Vision First. And the median turnaround time uh, was seven days from sample collection to the results compared to 26 uh, days using a, a, a 160 uh, panel uh, based on tissue called Oncomine. And also we have to take into account that uh, liquid biopsy is, is minimally invasive. It's a, a blood sample, which can be easily get as opposed to the tissue biopsy that we have to book a bronchoscopy or a CT guided biopsy. We have to find a spot for that, a slot for that, and that can take some time. So that would also explain that difference of, of almost a double of almost two months compared to one month uh, in time to treatment. We also look at the proportion of patients accessing targeted therapy. Of course, there are some limitations because in 2021, we have much more options, targeted therapies and clinical trials as compared to 2018. But we saw that in our cohort, uh, almost half, 49% of the patients uh, received a targeted therapy uh, compared to 29% in the historical cohort from 2018. One of the limitations of this approach, this plasma-first approach, as comparing with the traditional uh, uh, sequential approach, is that, of course, some patients uh, in which we, we thought they have uh, advanced lung cancer, they finally did not have lung cancer, right? From our cohort of 60 patients, uh, there, were, there were 10 patients with a different uh, diagnosis. We had, uh, sorry, at 10% is uh, six patients with a different uh, diagnosis, uh, three have a diffuse bleed lymphoma, another one had a mesothelioma, one had a prostate cancer with, with lung metastasis, and we also uh, had an ovarian cancer with uh, lung metastasis. We also had a 12% of squamous cell carcinoma, another 12% of small cell lung cancer, and we know that in those tumors, uh, molecular profiling is not as helpful for treatment decision making, but we had uh, in total a uh, 60% of uh, non-squamous, non-emotional lung cancer, for which uh, the results were very helpful to make uh, the decisions about first name therapy. Finally, Marla Lipsick-Scharf from the Dana Farber Cancer Institute discusses exciting results from a study evaluating cDNA detection and late reoccurrence in high-risk hormone-positive HER2-negative breast cancer. So we studied ctDNA detection and late recurrence in high-risk hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer. Um, so we identified 103 patients with stage 2 or 3 hormone receptor positive breast cancer that were diagnosed at least five years prior that had overall higher risk of recurrence. Um, and of these 83 patients, tumors underwent successful whole exome sequencing and comprised the analytic cohort 
cohort for this study. Um, so for each of these 83 patients, um, we used the radar assay to create personalized tumor-informed liquid biopsy tests and measured patients' plasma samples every six to 12 months at routine follow-up visits. And we found that of the 83 patients in our study, eight patients had detectable ctDNA um, more than five years after initial diagnosis. Um, so this is 10%. And we, there were six patients in our cohort that developed distant metastatic recurrence, and all six of these patients tested positive for ctDNA prior to distant metastatic recurrence with a median lead time of 12.4 months. Um, and, and so this study, to me, um, is, is important in moving us forward. This helps us understand the baseline prevalence and the role of ctDNA um, in this setting and will be really useful to um, inform clinical trials that will study whether intervention after ctDNA detection will actually improve patient outcomes. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app so we can continue to deliver our specialist content directly to you. Follow us on Twitter at VG Oncology to join in the conversation and check out vgoncology.com for all the latest updates and exclusive coverage in the field of circulating tumor DNA.